In the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful, the great God who was to come. And he has come to seek and to save that which is lost. We're grateful to him for his intervention in our affairs in the person of Master Fraud Muhammad to whom praise is due forever. Uh, we thank him for his wise choice, his scanning among us, the so-called Negroes, and he found a very receptive place. The, the Quran says that Allah knows best where to place his message. And his choice was justified. His choice was confirmed and convicted. He found a brother in Detroit, Michigan, from Saundersville, Georgia. He wasn't someone who was a big politician, wasn't a big business person, but he had the right heart. He had the right mind. And the heart was a heart of love for black people. It was a heart unconditional love for us. And of course, I'm speaking of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, but I wouldn't know either one of them. I was very blessed to be exposed to this wonderful body of wisdom and guidance in 1982. I didn't know much about the Savior. I didn't know much about the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And I didn't know much about him either. But over time, um, and I fell in love with him, falling in love, deeper in love with him for his work, his sacrifice for us. I'm grateful to him. And I think that when the history is written, there will be a consensus of opinion that in this hour, in this time, that he is the champion of the oppressed, not just in America, but throughout the globe. And I'm speaking of the Honorable Mr. Farrakhan. It's in the names I greet you, the people of God, with the greeting words of peace. Assalamu alaikum. Well, how are you all feeling today? Good. It's good to see all of you. And I, I hope and I pray to God that whatever we say can be of some benefit and some value. That if you leave here, not if, when you leave here, because we're going to kick you out sooner or later, that when you go, that you will be closer to God. That when you leave, hopefully, if only in Adam's weight, that you will leave with the desire to want to struggle harder in his way with your persons and your property and your life. Because the truth of the matter is, why come to this to lead the same person that you were when you first came? Why waste your presence, your precious time? Because your time is precious. Why waste your time if there's not some measure of transformation? And we would be derelict in our duty, derelict in our responsibility not to give you something that can inspire us to become better persons. And so it is an honor to be with you. I will tell you this. I'll share this. And sometimes people have a hard time believing it. But even when I was in college, you know, I was very, very active with the Black Student Union, both in my college and on the state of New York. Um, then coming into the nation, very active in speaking to, in, in public forums. But I'm always nervous, always. Um, you always want to make sure that whatever you say that it's not, it doesn't come out of a spirit of vanity. That whatever you say, that those in the audience 
So, so some of you are here for your first time. And some of you have been here for hundreds of times. And so whether it's your first, whether it's your thousandth time being here, that there's something that's said that can be of some benefit and that can be of some value. That's a weighty responsibility. And, and so you, 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 you know, when you come up, you know that what, if there is something said of benefit and value, you know it's not you that did it. You know that's the law working through you. And so I'm hoping that's the case today. So Sister uh, Aisha said a, few, said a few words about uh, today, September 17th, being a very momentous day in the nation. Have you ever heard of the Million Man March? Have you heard of it before? I was there. I was blessed to be there. Now, it was supposed to be a day for brothers, for black men. They were called for a day of atonement, reconciliation, and responsibility, black men, to be there. But there were some sisters that came too, even though they were encouraged not to come, but they came anyway. And their position was, wait a minute, hold it, Brother Farrakhan. Now, I've been looking for a man for a long time, right? And you tell me a man going to be in one place? And I'm supposed to not be there? That was, even though they respect the minister, they love him, and all that, they said, well, all due respect, I'm going I'm to I'm disobey that instruction. So on that day, it was a day that was, was and is very historic and not only the black experience, not only among the oppressed people, but it was and is an historic day for America. The largest, most peaceful gathering in America. And not only was it the largest and most peaceful gathering, but what has to be appreciated, it was on a Monday. All these other marches and whatnot, then typically on a Saturday. And so to have it just on a Monday, so that means now people to take off from work. You couldn't go to school. It was a day of sacrifice on that day. And not only that, it was peaceful. You know, we're crazy. You know us. And, and now I'm from East Coast. I'm from New York State. And so there's some of you from California. So you know some of the historic friction and hostility among so-called gangs. But they were there. You had the Crips there. You had the Bloods there in the same vicinity. But there was no fighting going on that day. There was no antagonism that day. In fact, about it, there were only two arrests that day. One was a, a Korean merchant trying to sell hot dogs without a license. And the other one was this white boy who called in 
a bomb threat or something, right? And, and they found him and he was arrested, right? That was the only arrest on that day. But do you know what was the genesis of this? Do you know what was the reason why there was a Million Man March? The genesis of it was what took place 38 years ago today. When the Admiral Mr. Farrakhan had this more than a vision experience. And he shared, and he shared with us many, many times. And he said that he had, in this experience, he was taken on the mother plane. And he said that he heard the voice of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Like you hear my voice right now? He said he heard the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's voice. And he said he told him that the president had met with his Joint Chiefs of Staff and was planning a war. He didn't say who the war was against. He didn't give a lot of detail about it. But he told him, told he, told the Honorable Elijah Muhammad told the minister, he said, hold a press conference and says, tell them you got it from me, Elijah Muhammad on the wheel. Now, so here was Elijah telling the world through the minister that the death plot that you thought you were successful, it failed. I'm alive. I'm in power, and I come to deal with our enemies. So there are many of us who maybe don't believe this. But the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, they verified that Ronald Reagan in September met with his Joint Chiefs of Staff, planning a war against Libya. They were planning a war against a Muslim and a, and a Muslim nation. But as this experience was ever revealing, the minister began to realize that the ultimate Muslim leader that they were planning a war against was him. And the Muslim nation that they were planning a war against was us. The little nation of Islam and the bigger nation of Islam of black and brown and red and yellow yes. planning a war. And so there are elements of this war that you may not even know about. Do you know that Boys in the Hood was a part of that war? Yes. That Minister Society was a part of that war? Yes. New Jack City was a part of that war? What they were doing, these movies that you like, these movies you like to watch, you think they are a part showing the reality of our experience, but, but they weren't made, well, some were directed by us, but the ultimate producers of these movies was an enemy that was planting a seed, an environment that Negroes are, ir are irredeemable that we are hopeless and lost, creating an environment to take us off. And the minister saw this. And so when he, he was now going around the country telling, he had this, this tour called Stop the Killing. And that Stop the Killing was on many different levels. Stop the Killing. 
And one of it was directed toward our enemies who planned our planning our destruction. And the main man march was to speak to this. So, all across the globe, they saw almost two million brothers at peace. No fighting, no arguments. It was, for those of us who were there, it left an indelible impression on us. The Million Man March. All of it stemmed from that experience that the minister had 38 years ago. September 17, 1985. And this is to teach us, dear family, that we are a blessed people. Even though it looks like we're forsaken, it looks like we have no friends. But Allah comforts the righteous by telling you Allah is your friend. If you have Allah as your friend, then there's no weapon formed against the righteous that can prosper. If God is your friend. So I don't care about Biden. I don't care about Trump. I don't care about these others. But if God is with us, who can be against us? So what I'd like to do, I would like to, in the short time that we have, I would like to inspire thought with you. There is a problem that our Savior gave to us. He gave us a lot of problems. Life presents problems. The only ones who don't have any problems are people who are, I'm not talking about mentally dead, I'm talking about physically dead. If you don't want no problems, die. But if you're going to be among the living, you're going to have problems. And in particular, for those of us who make the decision to come follow the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, once you make that decision, that light, let me see, that decision will automatically trigger problems. Automatically. You think when you come to God, things should be okay. You think it'd be the total opposite. There'd be no more problems. But the, it's the total opposite. God gives you a whole bunch of problems. Why would you do this, God? Why are you giving me a lot of problems? Because I want to make you into myself. And you can't come into me without problems and solving the problems. So he says that Islam is mathematics. And that mathematics is Islam. What does that mean? Well, see, at the root of Islam, it means problem solving. So if Islam is mathematics, that means, well, it means it's solving problems. So if you got problems in your life, well, welcome to Islam. Whether you call yourself a Muslim or not, that's Islam. Problems. Well, I'm, there's a problem he gave us. I would like to just share with you. Now, many of us, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, these problems. That's okay. You will sooner or later. Um, 
If you haven't already, you will. But he gave us one of these problems. It was problem number 31. And I want to just read from it. He says there's a lion in the cage. A lion. Walking back and forth. 60 feet per minute, seeking a way out the cage. He said it took nearly four centuries to find a door. Now, with modern equipment, he's walking 3,000 feet per minute. And he has 3,000 miles by 2,000 miles to go yet. How long will it take him to cover this territory of 3,000 by 2,000 miles at the above walking rate? And he says that 5,280 feet equals one mile. He also has 17 million keys, which he turns at the rate of 16 and 17 per minute. How long will it take him to turn the whole 17 million? 60 minutes equal one hour. 24 hours equal one day. 365 days equal one year. Then he says, the above figures do not include rusty locks. And he said that it's been said by a nation of Islam for allowing extra time to all the rusty locks is not sufficient. And then he says, $10 reward will be made to the best and neatest worker of these problems. Hurry and submit your answer to your teacher. Then he says this, ask questions and learn all about yourself. Now, there is a relationship between asking questions and the lion getting out the cage. There's a relationship. It's interesting that there's not a lot of animals in our lessons that's talked about. In fact, there are only three, there's three animals that discuss in our lessons. One animal is a skunk. Another animal are ducks. And then the third animal is a lion. These are three animals discussed in our lessons. This lion. It says in the Bible, there's a lion asleep in the jungle. Who will awaken the lion? The Savior says there's a lion in a cage, and he's walking back and forth, seeking a way out the cage. Well, you are the lion. That's you. You are the lion. But we have an enemy that's made us into pussycats. You, you are the king of the jungle. You're supposed to be roaring. But instead, all we do is meowing. True? So, how do you know, Brother Halim, that we are lying? See, when you come to yourself, you automatically put everything else in check. So at that million man march, see when the black man came at the million man march, he gathered at the, at the mall in Washington DC, it was a Monday and even though Congress was supposed to be in session, Congress left, closed down. Even though the Supreme Court was supposed to be in session, the Supreme Court shut down. Even though the president was supposed to be presidential duties, the president left. Why did he leave? Because the lion was now out the cage and showed himself. 
and made all other animals flee. True? A lion in a cage. And he's walking back and forth. You ever go to the zoo and see the, the big cats in the, in the cage? They're going back and forth. In the cage. Well, that's us. We make progress, then we go back. We make progress, then we go back. We do this in our collective life and our personal life. True? He's in the cage, walking back and forth. And it says, then with modern equipment, his pace picks up. I heard down when Mr. Farkin said that modern equipment is Dianetics. That's what I heard him say. And so it'll quicken the pace to get out the cage. And then he said, later lessons, ask questions and learn all about yourself. Ask questions. Now, for those of us who are parents and you have children, you ever had those moments, especially when they're young, they ask questions all the time. Right? I mean, all the time. Mommy, what about so and so? Daddy, what about so and so? And ask all that, like, constantly. At a certain point, you got to say, okay, time out. Just time out, time out. Okay, no questions for one hour. There's something about being children that innately you want to know. And so, because you want to know, you ask questions. Mommy, well, why this and why that? And then sometimes, you know, if you notice, when today children are asking questions that are confounding their parents, confounding their teachers. Because this generation is a generation of promise. This generation that's, being, that's coming to birth, they don't see things the way that we saw things. So now when they ask questions, they're asking these penetrating questions. And sometimes their questions are questions you never even thought of. True? But then something happens to children. All of a sudden now, they stop asking questions. Oh, no, they don't stop, but their questions are reduced. The questions are now where they used to act with a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of spirit, with the belief they're going to get answers. Now, something intervened, interrupted them, their process. So now, the, 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 their desire to want to ask questions has been interrupted, impeded. Ask questions and learn. Our approach in life is to be a student, to want to learn. So innately, when we come out the womb, when you look at children, even from the time they come out the womb, 
This is all fantastic to them, and they want to learn. And when they, when they, even though they may be armed babies and they can't, they're not mobile on their own, don't be fooled. That baby is still taking things in. That baby is still in, you know, in, in, in communication with its environment, with everything. It's learning about mommy. It's learning about daddy. It's learning about this one. It's learning about that one. In fact, there's more learning that takes place in those few years than any other time in that baby's existence. It is the nature of us to learn. It's unnatural to not want to learn. That's not natural. Something happened to us. Yeah, we want to learn, but the things that we want to learn about. The things that we talk about. The questions we ask. A foolish kind of Who's better, LeBron or Michael Jordan? And we would talk about this for hours. Some of us listen to sports radio, and they raise questions, but they're foolish questions. And they get people to be engaged in foolish talk for hours on end. Am I lying? No, nah, I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes I'll watch Stephen A. Sometimes I'll watch Shannon Sharp. I will. But as God's my job, I can't watch for too long. I just can't. It just becomes stupid after a while. And I got to turn the channel. Right? If, after, if you want to talk about my bills at that point, I don't want to hear nothing else. Right? And I'm a long-suffering bills fan. Right? Trying to teach, brother, right now. <laughs> Ask questions and learn all about yourself. So the Savior is saying that there's something about asking questions that will inspire, stimulate the process of learning. And not just any kind of learning. But the most fundamental learning, which is to learn about yourself. Do you know what theology is? What's theology? The study of God, isn't it? Do you know the first, you know the first theologian was and is? It was God himself. Because we were told that the originator of the heavens and the earth, what did he do? He studied himself. So he was the first theologian, God studying himself. Well, you are God too. So every single one of us should be engaged in the study of self, looking hard at yourself. Not at your mother, not at your father, not your friend, not your aunt, not your uncle, not your friend, but you, yourself, study yourself. And this kind of study takes tremendous courage. To study you. So, in the, so the Honorable Elijah Hunt said, to be a follower of his, you can't be a coward and be a follower of his. And to study yourself takes tremendous courage to study you. Isn't that true? 
to study you. The eye looks out. I can see Brother Iman. I can see you, Sister Priscilla. I can see you. You can see me. The eye innately looks out. It doesn't look in. So to see in takes now courage. It takes more effort to look at yourself. But the Savior said, ask questions and learn all about yourself. Okay. When I, when I was a little boy, I would ask questions about religion. I would ask questions about God. And when I would ask those questions, people would try to give me answers, but then it would solicit more questions. And when I would follow up with questions, then at a certain point, they would tell me, well, you can't question God. That didn't make sense to me. It just didn't make sense. Now, I didn't have the intellectual wherewithal to come back. So, I, you know, I'm a little boy, so I don't know what to say. I just know instinctively that makes sense to me. So you can't question. So when the Savior says, ask questions, he is really, he is going to war with that kind of thought that most of us have been given. Told we can't ask questions. See, that's because either you don't know the answer or someone who's guilty of something. They don't want you to ask too many questions. Here's a man who's staying out late at night. And his wife has a justified reason to ask him questions. Where are you? You told me that you're going to be at work. I called and you weren't home. Where were you? What you doing? Don't ask me no questions, woman. I can't ask you a question. See, the reason I can't, no question, because you, you getting too close to home. And I, you, you're really kind of invading an area I don't want to deal with right now. Don't ask questions. Liars don't want you to ask questions. And so, either you don't know or you're lying. So the Savior says, ask questions. And so when I got to college, I got to a certain point where I said, well, I, you know, I, I got introduced to other thinkers, other writers, and they called themselves atheists. And they, they were giving arguments that I had. So I said, well, I must be an atheist, too, because their thinking is like my thinking. And then one day, I had this, a friend of mine brought me this flyer about, it said, the Nation of Islam. And there was his brother named Dennis X. And he had this name that I never heard, I couldn't, I never heard it before, I couldn't pronounce. All I remember was this F-A-R-R-A. -R -R -A. I remember that. I, couldn't, I never heard it, but never saw it before, so I couldn't pronounce it. And I said, the nation of Islam? I said, people still believe this stuff? Because I read Malcolm's autobiography. And I thought everyone was like me. When I read the autobiography, I, I'm, I'm following Malcolm. I'm on Malcolm's journey. He's in love with Elijah. He's in love with the nation, and I am too. But then when he left, I left with him. And I thought everyone else left. So I was surprised. People still believe this? 
And I went to this meeting. I don't know why I went. I can only think it was God. I, I only, it was Allah guiding me because I don't know why I went, but I went anyway. And, I, and so Brother Dennis was, was teaching. And I, I like what I heard. I liked it. I said, okay, this honeymoon's over with now. Because I'm about to ask my questions. And I said, brother, A, B, and C. And he said, brother, D, E, and F. Oh. Oh, okay. It satisfied me. But okay, I said, well, brother, what about L, M, and N. What about that, brother? He said, brother. O, P, and Q. And I said, oh, oh. And the answer satisfied me. It satisfied me. So I'm, I'm not a believer yet. But I'm coming. I'm, I'm, I'm at every meeting. I'm, something is happening to me. My life is being transformed. And every day, I come with questions. Every day. Brother, this, that, and the other. But now, my questions aren't like antagonistic. At a certain point, I don't know where it was, but at a certain point, I started asking questions for understanding. Not questions because I don't think you can answer them. Question now, because now I'm looking to learn now. Ask questions and learn all about yourself. I'm learning about me. I'm learning about our people. I'm learning about our condition. And if you know me, some of y'all, you'll learn me. You'll find out you can't just tell me anything. I'm not that kind of person. You can't just make something up and just tell me something. I'm not that person. You got to satisfy me. So I remember one day. Now, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm in. I think I'm in. I think I am. And I asked a brother. He was a brother. I didn't want to tell you that even. He was a brother. I asked him a question. And he, he, he gave me an answer. And I was like, okay, that don't sound right, but okay, I let it go. And I asked that same person, I don't know how long, later, I asked that same person question later, different question. I don't know, I don't know what the question was, I don't, I don't even remember the answer, I just remember the, the effect it had on me. Asked another question, and, and they gave me the answer, and I was like, they made that up. <laughs> they made that up. I mean, I just knew that wasn't the right answer, right? And, but that taught me something. I said, I will never. If I don't know, I'll tell you I don't know. Because I don't think it hurts me to say I don't know the answer. And I'm saying the same thing to you. You don't have to act like you all wise, like you know everything. If you don't know, say you don't know. And just say, I don't know the answer, but I'll find the answer. Don't make something up. True. I don't know. 
I've been with the minister. I ask him questions. I mean, in most cases, almost every single time I ask him a question, he does know the answer. Every once in a while, I'll ask a question. He said, brother, I don't know. It don't trip me out. I'm not bugging. I, with all due respect, sir, I thought you were a divine man. I, I don't even get like that. You know, you just know. I mean, I'm not tripped out. I mean, I would like to know the answer, but he doesn't know. He doesn't know. Ask questions. And learn all about yourself. So, uh, now in... 1982, it was September, and the minister came to speak at the University of Buffalo. And it was a, I mean, it's my first time seeing the minister, live, person. Now at this point, I, I was introduced to him in mid-June. Now, late September, I'm in. At this point, I'm in. I'm not registered, but I'm in. And I remember, I remember a lot, there's a few things I remember, right? But one thing I remember about that meeting, there was this sister who stood up, who asked him, is, did he believe the Honorable Elijah was still physically alive? I just remember this question. And he said, yeah, he's alive in me, he's alive in you, alive in us. And then she said, no. Is he alive? I forgot the exact, but the essence of it was, is he alive like, like I'm talking to you? Is he alive like that? Now, it was kind of clear the minister didn't want to go in that. He didn't want to go in this area, right? But she was pressing him on this. And the minister said, yes, he's alive. He's alive like that. And then I would later find out the person who asked that question was Sister Kathy. She asked him this question. That was late September, 1982. Then, a week later, the minister spoke at Brockport College. It's a week later. And this is the early days. So, now, I'm not registered. And the minister has some big fancy motel, I mean hotel. He's in a very humble motel. If I remember, one room. I'm not registered. But they got me as the minister's security. In his room. That's inconceivable today. So here's the Mr. Farrakhan. There, I'm in his room. And I'm, I don't know where I'm sitting, but I'm sitting next to him. But I had a little notebook. And in that little notebook, I said, one day, if I ever had the chance to be with the minister, I, I, I got these questions I want to ask him. And now I got the chance. And I asked my questions. And I don't, I don't remember virtually any questions I asked, but I, I had a chance to ask questions. It was, for me, a profound honor, privilege to ask questions. As I'm questioned, I'm learning all about myself. And then, one day, and that this, this was going to characterize my relationship with the ministry almost all my Islamic life. And then one day, I, I, 
there was, you all know, sister, many, many of you know, most of you know Sister Amina, those of you in the nation, as the minister's executive assistant. So her, her predecessor is a sister named Sister Sophia. And I gave to Sister Sophia 14 pages of type questions to give to the minister. Now, as I'm thinking back, I have no idea what I was expecting. I mean, really, I don't know why I gave them to her. I mean, I don't know why. I don't know. I just, I, and I didn't think, I had no hesitation. You know, sometimes you wonder, you have some kind of reservation. Should I do this? Should I not do this? I didn't. I gave them. I said, could you get this a minister, please? Right? And then it was a little later, I think maybe a few days later, I got a call. And he said, bring a tape recorder down. And just he and I, for five hours, I'm going through the questions. I'm trying to, say, trying to get the questions, I, I, you know, because I don't know how much time I got. I'm trying, so I'm trying to go through the questions that are, to me, the most important ones. He said, no, 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 just take your time. Go through all the questions. So I had 14 pages of type, not handwritten questions, of type questions. And we went over every single question that I had. And this idea of asking questions. I'm going to say this. It is intellectual cowardice to not ask questions. If you don't understand this, ask questions. Because if it's not true, it can't handle See, only those who don't know or liars don't want to be questioned. But see, I want to be questioned. The truth wants to be questioned. The more you question, the more you come to the conclusion, this is true, this is divine, this is best for us. So the Savior is confident in what he got. The Savior not shaking with his. He said, ask questions. Challenging you, ask questions. Ain't no question you're going to ask, I don't know. Well, why? Because I'm the best knower. I'm the wisest God. The most knowledgeable God. And I got an invincible truth. Ask questions. Probe. In fact, I know, and some of you know, people who came into faith, and they came to faith because they tried to disprove the teachings. True? They came with the mindset, I'm going to prove to you this ain't true. I'm going to prove to you this is a lie. And the more they tried to prove it, the more convicted they were that there is no God but Allah who appeared in the person of Master Fahd Muhammad. Challenge this. What questions you got? But here's the thing. See, but you don't question a white man like this. You want to question the nation. Well, you said you met with God. Well, hi, and you have all kinds of questions for that. But you don't question white folk. 
So the minister may say something, Brother Halim may say something, somebody in, 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 uh, in the nation may say something, and you go on the Twitter, and you do, oh, I mean, at Twitter, but Google, doing all kind of research, want to make sure it's true, want to make sure this is right, right? But the, but the cracker goes say something to you, and you just bow down and accept it. Am I lying? See, you don't want to ask him no questions. Ask questions and learn all about yourself. And see, what happens is the more you question, what you'll find out is that the original people are really at the root of all that you're learning. All of it. Chemistry. Physics. Mathematics. Law. See, the more questions you ask, you'll find out that history has been whitewashed. And then you'll find out your role in everything. I think it was Jada Pickett Smith got into a lot of controversy because she had this movie about Cleopatra. And she had Cleopatra as a black woman. Well, she was a black woman. But white folk don't want to hear that. But see, the more questions you ask about Egypt, the more questions you ask about history, the more you realize, the more you find out that you are at the root of it. All of it. Ask questions and learn all about yourself. Those pyramids, I know it looked like we didn't make them because today the people who built the pyramids, today live in the projects. So it's hard to believe that we're the ones who created that, but you did. The people who created medicine are the same people who cracked out today. So you look at us in our present day condition, and that may blind you, obscure you to the reality that you are mathematics, you are science, you are physics, you are all that. Ask questions, learn all about yourself. Some of us are afraid to ask questions. You're in the nation now. You're ready, and you're afraid to ask questions. Because why? Because maybe they ain't got the answer now. I'm in now, and I don't ask too much. It's intellectual cowardice. I don't know. And you know how you can tell? So then when someone challenges you, you get all crazy. And you take your insecurity out on them. I'm in, I look at study group. And in the study group, there are too many of us who don't want to ask questions. Afraid to ask. And a part of the reason why we're afraid to ask, because we're afraid that we're going to look stupid if we ask a question. There's no such thing as a dumb question. None. If you don't know, you don't know. Well, how will you learn unless you ask some questions? Ask questions and learn all about yourself. Not only does God encourage us to ask questions, He asks questions too. He asks a lot of questions. 
A lot. One of the things that my time in Phoenix compared to my time in Buffalo about the minister, it's a big difference. I talked to him. You know what that big difference is? He asked a lot of questions. I mean, a lot of questions. And sometimes, I mean, I don't really mind because sometimes you'll ask questions about, well, why'd you do this? Why did you do so and so and so? What were you thinking about? And it gives me an opportunity to be able to explain. So I don't mind the questions, but I do know it's a lot. And sometimes he'll ask questions that kind of put you on the spot. He'll ask you questions about like the scriptures. Okay, so he'll 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 he will quote a scripture, not complete it, and expect you to finish it up. I'm like, oh my God, I know it's gonna be a quiz. I want to make sure I'm, I'm not stupid right now and, you know, making sure I answer the question right. Can I ask questions like, well, where, where, where are we at? Where are we at? Excuse me. Where are we in, like, in the divine scheme of things? Oh, my God. I give it. I hope it's a good answer, right? But apart, I'm so insecure now. I'm saying, oh, my God, it was a stupid answer I just gave. And the minister's thinking, oh, my God, who is this man I got here in front of the people? He has no idea what he's talking about, right? All these insecurities just come to the surface. Someone's asking questions. Someone's probing. Ask questions. God will ask questions. Do you know the first question in the Bible? God asks questions. And the first question in the Bible, God is talking to Adam as he, Adam and Eve had disobeyed. And the Bible says that Adam and Eve heard God walking in the garden. Yes, sir. And they went to hide themselves. Stop, wait, hold on, hold on, stop right there. <laughs> now how does spook make noise? Walking. And if God is everywhere all the time, how can you hide from God? Go every place. All the time. But it says they heard God walking through the garden. And they went to hide themselves. And then God asked them, talking to Adam, where are you? It's the first question. Where are you? And that's a question for every single one of us. Where are you? Brother Ali, I'm right here. Okay. Yeah, you are right here, but where are you? Well, I don't understand what you mean, brother. Where am I? Okay, you ever talk to somebody before? You're in a conversation. And clearly, I mean, you ain't in the conversation. I mean, you, it looks like to the outside observer that you, know, that you are there engaging, but you're not. You're someplace else. You're not there. Sometimes people are so clear with that, they do things like this. They're looking at their watch. They're looking at their phone. And these are obvious signs, unmistakable, undeniable signs. They're not there. But if the person's not doing that, well, you can tell they're not. Well, where are you? Well, sometimes you wear that argument you just had with your husband, your wife, your mother, your daughter, your friends. You're there. You're an employer. Where are you? You're not there, but you're thinking about what you're going to eat for dinner tonight. But you're not there. 
I don't have you. You're not there. Where are you? The first question that God asks, where are you? So asking the believers, the Savior wants to know to the believers, where are you? I was at a press conference a few days ago. And there was this brother, I never heard this case before. His name is Jacob Harris. It's a little brother. He's dead now. The police shot him in the back. And so it was a, I, I don't know much about the case until I went to this press conference. I learned a lot about it. I learned about the law. And what happened was, so they had been, he and his friends, they'd been robbing stores and whatnot. Stores. And they, I think they robbed Whataburger or whatever. And now they're going, and, but the police had been, had been tailing them. And they went to a red light, and they have some kind of device where they can stop the vehicle. I forgot what it's called. And they did. They used it. So now it can't go anyplace. And then they threw some kind of another device with smoke, and it was this blinding light, and it blinded them. And then Jacob Harris runs out of his car. Starts running away. And the police shot him in the back. Now, they say he had a gun. Now, we've heard this many, many times, right? Justifiable, huh? They had a gun. Family maintains there was no gun. Okay. So that, that's bad enough. Here's the part that I want to bring to your attention. There are three others. Oldest was 20 years old. I think a 20-year-old, a 17-year-old, and a 14-year-old. Those other three were charged with first-degree murder for that boy. Everyone, I mean, the police don't have any, I mean, they don't, Dispute that it was a police officer who killed them, but there is a law in Arizona that can charge others in the commission of a crime. So even though they didn't do it, they could be charged for that crime for, the, for, the, for that dead boy. The others were charged for that crime. And not just charged, they were convicted of it. So a 20-year-old, I think, got 30 years in jail. The 17-year-old, I think, got 20 years. And the 14-year-old girl got 15 years in jail. 15 years. For this crime. So the question that God is asking, and we should ask each other, well, where are you? Where are you, nation of Islam? Where are we believers? We're here in the mosque. But the mosque is only the place where we get strengthened to go out there in the real field. In the real, so they're looking for the nation. And where are we? Where are we? Our people are dying in the streets. They're dying for the lack of knowledge. And where are we? God was talking to Adam. Question is, where are we, black man? Where are we? Where are we? Sometimes, 
when you're not here. You ever see people who their behavior is very bizarre? They're just doing things that's just very, very strange. I mean, it's, you get this a whole, whole range. I know somebody who is deathly afraid of worms. I mean, really, I'm serious. Worms scares them. And you say, why does worms scare them? I mean, really afraid of worms. Well, it didn't start out with worms. It first started out being really afraid of snakes. I mean, deathly afraid of snakes. And then, because worms look like snakes, now they're afraid of worms. If they saw a worm, they would respond to a worm like you respond to a rattler, or a cobra, or a boa constrictor. And when you look at that behavior, you say, what's wrong with you? Why are you acting like that? Some people are afraid of butterflies. Why are you afraid of a butterfly? It's just a butterfly. Why are you afraid of that butterfly? You know why? Because they're not here. They're someplace, but not here. If you can bring them here, all that stuff goes away. But because they're not here, well, where are you? Well, I'm, when I was a year old, or two years old, or five years old, I'm stuck in some incident in the past. I'm not here right now. And because I'm not here, my behavior is strange. My behavior is insane. My behavior is not rational. It's not normal. I'm not here. What's, why, why? Sometimes there are people who don't like you. Tell me you personally. They don't like you. Or me. Why you don't, why you don't like us? Why you don't like that person? I don't like that person. Right? And they don't know why either. You know what they say? I don't know. I just don't like him. I just don't like her. And they don't know. They really don't know. But sometimes it could be something as simple as the perfume or the cologne that he wears reminds them of the abuser of her or him when they were little girls or little boys. The smell, the tone, the voice, the way you talk to me reminds me of somebody else in my past. Well, where are you? I'm not here on September 17, 2033, but I'm back when I was a little boy. Or little girl, where are you? Where are you? That's a question all of us should be asking. Where are you? I, I was, when I was a little boy, I was abused by an older boy and girl. And you'd be surprised how many of us have gone through some stuff. So now when Mr. Farrakhan was talking, he mentioned the name, I, I won't, but there was, there, he was talking about some people in the nation who 
high, high profile people, those you've been around for a long, long time, you know. And he's talked about them being sexually abused and how it impacted their ministry, how it impacted how they dealt with the believers. They were hard. They were unyielding. They were unreasonable. But they weren't here. Sisters, you, you, I, I'm table down moments for our told us. For your children, you know, some of us, our children are all adults. Some of you have little children. He told us this, and you can, you can take this or leave it alone. He said, you should not even leave your, you should not even have your fathers alone with your children, especially your girls. And the fathers, some fathers, took offense to that. But you don't realize, sister, how degraded the enemy has made us. I, I had a job here in Phoenix for about four years. I used to monitor the homes of, you know, for various reasons. And there was these two little precious little girls. I adored them. I just adored them. Two little black girls. But I found out later on that their father was also their grandfather. And that was bad enough. And then I found out later that the father had three other little children by his daughter. He had five children with his daughter. And then the uncle who was going to take the girls, he was in Alabama, down south someplace, he was going to take the girls to live with him. And he was sharing with us that if you saw the father and the daughter they looked like girlfriends and boyfriends, the way they would act with each other. Now, although you can put some responsibility on the, on the daughter, you got to put the lion's share on the father. And then what happens is, too many mothers are afraid to ask questions. You know, you know something ain't right. You know that something ain't right in the home and with him. And you know, you know you're not stupid and you're looking at something that don't feel right, ain't right, but you're afraid to ask her the real questions or him the question. Ask questions. Ask questions. And a lot of times we ask questions but really don't want to know the answer. But ask questions. And learn all about yourself. So sometimes, dear sisters, brothers, you, you, some of you want to court. Either you're courting or you're getting ready to court. You see that handsome brother on that side? 
very attractive sister on the other side, and you like them. Well, nothing wrong with that. We're taught that marriage is one half of our faith. But here's, a, here's what I would encourage you to do. Ask questions. Ask a lot of questions. And don't be afraid to ask questions. Ask questions and learn all about yourself. Ask questions about everything. No, you didn't hear me. About everything. About that, Brother Halim? Yeah, about that. You don't got no emotional investment? Ask questions. And what I've seen and observed, one of the biggest mistakes in, in these courtships and these marriages is what happens is they didn't ask questions. And more than that, didn't ask the right kind of questions. See, the better questions you ask, the better answers you get. Some of, us, some of us ask questions, but we know we're asking these little vague questions that don't solicit good answers. Or we don't ask good questions and follow up with some other questions. He tells you, you ask, well, what do you do? Well, I'm in banking. Oh. Really? Yeah, I'm in banking. Well, how, how long have you been in banking? Oh, I've been banking for about 10 years now. Oh, praise is due to Allah. And then when you find out what he does do, he sweeps the bank floor. He ain't lie. And I'm not trying, I'm not disparaging sweeping bank floor, but it gives, that's not the kind of answer you thought it was. See, when you're courting, courting means now they're in court. You're trying to find the truth of something. And that means now you've got to cross-examine. So you've got, you got the witness there for direct examination, but you've got to bring now other witnesses in. Bring in the other wives. He's been married five times. Five times. And you ain't got no concern you're going to be the sixth. But I love him. Okay. Here's my advice. You need to question all six, all five, and ask her questions. You need to ask questions and learn all about yourself. True? I, I've seen, as God's mind, even, even since I've been here in Phoenix, where sisters, doesn't last long. Did, did you question the wife? The prior? I couldn't, I couldn't reach her. I couldn't find her. And sometimes that may be true. But here's what I get. When the fact you couldn't reach her or find her, you really didn't want to. Because, you know, I'm in love. I'm afraid to be lonely. So I'm not going to really ask questions. I'm not going to really probe. I'm not going to really dig deep because I'm afraid I might lose this. But what you got? What you really got? 
you might not have anything. True? Ask questions and learn all about yourself. So some of you courting and you got long distance courtship, those are the most challenging. Long distance. Because when you're in the mosque, you get to see brother how he acts. You've been watching him for a while, clocking him. You can't just look at sister. You can look at her, clocking her, how she does that, right? See how she acts, see how she do. So, okay, I think I'm going to ask. Put my papers in. But the, but the long distance, those are challenging. Because you don't see them. And when they present themselves to you, then they always present themselves to you in the best way. In the best manner. And you, you only see them for a short period of time. Sometimes all you do is DM them all day. And you think that's sufficient to get a good, a good picture of them. How long have we been DM? We've been DMing for at least 15 months. I know them pretty well. I know her pretty well. You really? And the kind of questions. So when Brother Marcus and Sister Cecilia were here, they have a book out about questions. And that book, there's 200, I think 216 questions to ask. That's a lot of questions. 216. Most ask questions, but the kind of questions you ask, like, well, what do you like better, Hagen Doss or Briars? <laughs> What's your favorite food? Well, I really, I, I, you know what I love? I love Cheesecake Factory. And these are the kind of questions we ask. Ask questions and learn all about yourself. Last thing, I'll let you go. You all okay? Yes, sir. Are you mad at me? No, sir. Yes, you are. I can tell in your face. <laughs> but I don't care anyway. <laughs> ask questions. So, when when I I was reading our lessons, and I was observing how the Savior would describe this planet that we live on, and sometimes he, he would call it the Earth. Sometimes you call it planet Earth. Sometimes you call it the planet. But then, in Lost Found Muslim Lesson Number Two, he uses another way to describe it. He says, our planet, or our Earth, ours. This is ours. Why are you telling us this? Because it looks like it belongs to the enemy. The way he exercises authority. 
It looked like it's his. But the Bible says like this, that the earth is the Lord's. And you are the Lord. It's the Lord's. It's our earth. This is our earth. Not only our earth, this is our western hemisphere. This is our country. This is, so white folks say, go back to Africa. Well, the minister challenges them, if we told you to go back to where you came from, where are you going? Because none of this belongs to you. All of this belongs to the original people, all of it. This is our planet. This is our city. Phoenix. It's ours. I know it may look like it belongs to somebody else, but it's ours. When the minister sent us to the mosque, he didn't send us to a mosque. He sent us to a city. And finally, this is your mosque. It's yours. It's your mosque. It's our mosque. And you should act like it's yours. So what does that mean? Ask questions. Ask questions. Ask questions about decisions that are made. Ask questions about charity. Ask questions about what we got. I mean, ask questions. You can ask, this is your mosque. You act like, many of us act like it's owned by these strange aliens called laborers. Like it's theirs. And you bequeath your responsibility, your ownership, it's yours. You ask questions. It's questions about your mosque. Ownership about your mosque. And the minister said this, as you, as you can question me, you can question the laborers, you know what you, as I've questioned, some of you have questioned Alma Lewis Farrakhan, you know what you can question? You can question God himself. Question him. And you do, but oftentimes we make a mistake because we don't question him in the right spirit. Mister, you can question God. You can question Him. But here's, what we, here's how we typically question God. You're going through something. You have a big trial. You're in pain. And we question like this Why do you do this to me? Why am I going through this? Why you put me through this? I've been faithful. I've been doing this. I've been trying to do why. Why am I going through this? That's not the right spirit. The question. He'll give you an answer. None of us are exempt from going through trial. And sometimes the Quran says, no, they're not, that they're going to be tried severely at least two or three times every single year. Severe trial. You have a right to question God. And he's not guilty of something. He's not afraid of your question. He's not. Question him. He'll give you an answer. 
And the answer don't come like, like I'm talking to you. It doesn't come like that, but out of like a whirlwind. The answer will emerge. But why are you going through what you're going through? Some of us are going through some health issues. I try to eat right. I try to eat right. I haven't had, I don't eat sugar. I haven't had sugar in about, I don't know, almost 20 years. I don't eat sugar. Talking about a real white devil? That's a white devil. Had sugar. I don't need it. I, I haven't had meat, red meat, since 1984. I'm not saying this to make myself look like it. I'm, just, I'm, I'm only making a, I'll make a bigger point in a second. I haven't had meat since 1984. And what made me stop eating it was in November, I think it was, of 1984. I heard the minister say this. A lot of people don't remember it, but I remember him saying that because that's what inspired me to stop eating meat. He said, if you're going to eat meat, you may as well eat pork. And when he said that's what made me stop. I stopped immediately with red meat. The chicken took me a little longer. You know Negroes and chicken. But that was a few months later for that one. So that was like 19, early 1985, I stopped eating the chicken. And I, I mean, my diet, even right now, my diet can improve, I can do better. But I try to be better with my food. Dear, so my dear family, I tell you, share what the minister told us. You can take it or leave it. The minister said, when you get to be 40 years old, I'm not going to actually raise your hand who's 40 or so. I wanna, but if you're, if you're over 40, he said this. He said, if you're over 40, eating one meal a day is not enough. So if you're over 40, you should be looking at every other day. 40 years old. And then he said that you should, at every meal, you should have bean soup at every meal. Now, when I say every meal, I'm not talking, I'm assuming now you're not eating three meals a day. So I'm talking about bean soup at your three meals. I'm talking about your one meal. And you're eating that meal or that every other or every three, whatever you're doing, if you're eating right, trying to follow the teachings, you're eating that one meal and you have bean soup with that meal. So I'm trying to do that, trying to eat right. And then I had my health challenges. I hadn't had medicine in about 20 years, not even cough drops. All of a sudden, this year, I'm hospitalized. In the last year, hospitalized at least three times. I never went to a doctor. I'm going to a doctor. I, I hadn't had medicine in 20, 20 years. I'm taking medicine now. I'm taking antibiotics. It's a humbling experience for me. I don't know why I'm going through this. I didn't get bitter. I didn't say, well, why me? 
Every once in a while, I won't lie to you, every once in a while, I would get a little scared. Every once in a while, I would say, oh my God, what if, what if this is, what if I'm dying? I would think like that. But it would, it would come, be fleeting, and then it would go away. But I would think that like every once in a while, it would come in. But I would question with the right spirit and the right motivation. You can question. You can question God. He can handle it. And what you'll find out is, it's not what Allah is doing to you. What's he doing for you? In the trial. It's not to destroy you. It's not to crush you. What's to build you up? You can handle it. So the question is, do you have enough courage to question God? Can you question him? I'm suggesting he can handle it. I'm suggesting he he's he not going to be like many of us. He won't be insulted by your question. He won't be insecure if you ask him. You can ask me. You can ask this one. I might give you an answer that can satisfy you. Maybe, maybe not. But to ask questions and learn all about yourself. And what you'll find is that there are things in us, there are elements in us, and instinctively, you know what I'm saying is true. Intellectually, you know what I'm saying is true. There's certain things in us we know that's causing us a lot of problems in our lives. A lot of problems. And we really are timid to confront it, to face it. And a lot of times, we don't even know that they're there. So God will put us through things, bring them out. And the nation presents itself as a heck of a means of bringing these things out of us. And you know one of the things that is really one of the most effective ways to bring things out of us? Your fellow believer. I, I sometimes I get calls, texts from so many of you. You know what many of your texts are calls about? What some other believer did. It's God my judge. Why did they ask me? Why did they talk to me like that? I, I really don't know. I think you should ask them when they talk to you like that. Why are they doing this? Why? I, I, don't, I don't know why they're doing this. I don't know why they're doing that. But I will tell you this, that I'm going to remind you what the minister said. He said that when people are like this, when they're very abrasive like this in your life, it's like sandpaper. And that sandpaper, although rough and abrasive, what it is, is to make you smooth and to make you polished. But what you do, you throw the sandpaper away. But you look at you. You look at the end result. And you look at you. You ask questions. You learn about yourself. Sometimes the answers come immediately. Sometimes you won't get answers for a long, long time. But you know what you do? You just keep asking. I'm going to close with this one. You just keep asking. So 
I'm what I'm I am a what they call a Dianetics, Dianetics auditor. Professional auditor. Been doing it now for over 13 years. And there's a reality when you ask someone a question, often they won't answer. So you gotta keep asking. And then eventually they'll answer a question. Sometimes it takes a long time. Sometimes you ask them question A and the answering B has nothing to do with the question you ask them. You just keep asking. Ask them that question over and over again, and then finally they'll answer. Sometimes we like this. Brother, how are you doing? Well, how are you doing? Why are you asking me? How are you doing? And answer a question. But what you'll find, the more you keep asking, the more, I mean, sometimes it takes a long time, but you'll get the answer to it. They'll give it to you. It's the same thing with the universe. Ask it. The answers don't come immediately. Sometimes they do, but the great inventions, the great innovations, they don't come immediately. Someone asks a different question and they got an answer. Ask God. He'll answer you. He'll answer you. But here's a question for you. Do you really want to hear the answer? Because sometimes the answer can be very humbling. I close with this. I did something a few years ago, it was so ugly, and I saw myself as a devil. What I did to my friends, to my family, it wasn't malicious. I didn't deliberately do it, but I did do it. And I had to take a hard look at myself. I didn't like what I saw. It was ugly. It was very humbling, very sobering. But that's what I saw in myself. And I, it was a very trying period for me in my life. And I realized that the storm that I was in, it wasn't because of what my mom did, my dad didn't do, my children, my ex-wife, none of that. It was because of what I did, decisions I made. There was no spook God. It was me. And I had to ask myself some real honest questions about myself. I had to take a very sober inventory about myself. Are you willing to ask yourself questions and learn about yourself? Ask questions. Why do I keep doing this? Your fifth marriage? Why do I keep finding women like this? Or men like this? Why am I attracting these kind of people? What am I doing? Ask questions. Not easy. Can be very difficult. 
unpleasant, but ask questions and learn all about yourself. I am so happy to be a citizen of the Nation of Islam. I really am. Because for me, for me, for me, I, I am so grateful for what I consider to be tough love. The nation is not easy. The nation is very challenging. And my decision to come in the nation, I had no idea what I was in store for. None. None. People I would meet, experiences I would go through, some pleasant, some not so pleasant. But despite all of it, I am grateful to our God for this wonderful thing called the Nation of Islam. I thank Allah for it. And for me, my questioning hasn't diminished. In fact, it's the opposite. Now I'm asking more questions. My questions have increased. I've got in my laptop, I've got pages of questions that I got. Pages. Because the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. The more I, I learn, the more I realize I don't know. I mean, I know I've learned things. I know I've come into some knowledge about certain things, but I realize that if this is a head of a pen, a common pen, I know about like this much. So there's so much room on the head of a common pen. So I'm asking questions all the time. And some of you who are with me, we talk on the phone, we're riding together, and you can bear witness when I'm with you, I'm asking questions all the time. Isn't that true? I ask you questions. You know why I want to know? Because you fascinate me. Your life fascinates me. What you went through fascinates me. Because the more I learn about you, I know about myself. I'm going to ask Brother Robert questions. When I learn about him, I learn about myself. Ask questions. And learn all about yourself. The more I ask questions to you, I fall in love deeper with you because I'm asking questions about you, about you and your life. And so, do you ever heard Bob Marley? Do you know his music? You know Rastas? So they say I and I. They don't say we, they say I and I. That's what they say for we. Let's let you know that I and I. That's me, I. That's the I, that's the other part. We all together. So the more I know about you, the more I learn about myself. If the Quran says the believers are friends of one another, I want to know about my friend. There are some friends who won't even let their other friends know where they live. Isn't that crazy? We friends. And you want your other friends to know where you live. That doesn't make sense to me. 
There's some friends, you, you won't even give them your phone number. If I ask you a question, what's your phone number? I don't know. A few days, a few, it was a few months ago, as God's my judge, we're having a meeting here. And I put my phone number for everybody. Everybody. Call me. You know what? You're my friend. And some of you, when you call me, I know there's going to be some issues. I do. I take a deep breath. I say, oh, Allah. But there's not one of you, not one of you, I don't take the call. Not one. And I'll call back. You know why? Because you're my friend. And I call my friends back. And my friends will ask me questions. I'm a little weak right now. It's got a little weak. I'm okay. I'm okay. I shouldn't have told you this. <laughs> I really shouldn't know. I shouldn't have told you. But ask questions. You know all about yourself. You know all about yourself. So I thank you all for your time and your patience. And may Allah bless you. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs> No, no, I'm good.